everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of the Badland Girls. I'm Rhea. And I'm Destiny. And how are you this week, Destiny? I'm just a busy bee. Like, school has ramped up. I got a big, huge paper that I have to get an 80% on uh, to pass, and uh, it's a lot of pressure. I'm I'm scared. (laughs) I'm not scared. You're good. You're a good student. I'm not scared. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I just, I'm so not used to writing an APA style and there's a lot of new things, but it, that's a slight worry, I guess. It's not like I can't look it up and figure it out. But I'm just kind of like, ugh, papers. <laughs> wow. Something I, I haven't thought about in literally almost two decades. Yeah. My, my goodness. Yeah, like I haven't been in school since 2012, I think, and oh wow, just having to think about grades and so far I have an A in in the class that I'm taking and I'm I'm doing all right, but oh this paper. <laughs> What's the paper about? It's about like three different things. Um, we have to go to the accreditation. Uh, website and write about some of the accreditations that are required and like why the standards are interesting and then we have to talk about um, the mission statements of the two big counseling associations and break those down and then uh, look at trends that they talk about in their literature and then we have to talk about um, licensure for the state that we want to be licensed in and like what's required and write about that. So, so you know, very interesting, very dynamic. <laughs> so you said the state you want to be licensed in is like the class are the students from all over? Oh yeah, I oh, okay. like my counseling uh group has a girl from Maine in it. Oh, wow. And like uh when I did my residency, I met people from Hawaii, Japan, Spain. Um holy shit. It was wild. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Neat. <laughs> and Neat. every state is different for what they require for people to become licensed therapists. Nebraska has its own rules and it the school kind of sets you up to be licensed in Nebraska. Um cuz it like makes sure you have all the like pre-graduate uh practicum hours and internship hours, but like once you graduate, you still need more hours to get your license. Just depending on where you live. <laughs> doing what? Just like working on the job? Like, yeah, just doing uh, supervised patient or supervised counseling work. Uh, a certain amount of those hours have to be direct patient or excuse me, not patient, client. We don't say patient. We say client. Okay. Uh, client face to face work. And then some of it can be office work and stuff like that. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I get to write about that. Well, that sounds very intense, so <laughs> I'm cheering you on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I I love grad school so far, but I am just the busy bee, like I said. Yeah. Well, nothing uh, new on my end. Um, the Grammys was last week, and BTS didn't win. What a bummer. And then Who'd they lose to? Uh, Doja Cat and SCA doing SZA? 
I don't know how she pronounces her her name. I think it's SZA, but I don't actually know. I'm so okay. out of shape. I said Jessica Rodriguez Rodrigo when I met Olivia Rodrigo <laughs> on the podcast last week. Uh, yeah, let's not forget that my frame of reference was Britney Spears. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, out uh, of touch. <laughs> Out of touch, out of yeah, touch out corner. Out of touch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, so I mean that's cool too. But you know, the BTS doesn't get nominated for much, so this was kind of like their only chance. But I think they're kind of over it, uh, because they have shows in Vegas uh, this weekend, and I think next weekend. And like Namjoon, the leader of the group, said at the concert, I've been watching little video clips on my phone all day. He said, who gives a shit about the Grammys? (laughs) 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 Which delighted me to no end. But yeah, I've been watching everyone's clips. And one of my favorite things about watching live clips of BTS is um, they have really great interactions with their fans. And it's, I love fangirls just in general. I love fangirl culture. I think it's really fascinating and kind of undervalued. And it's one of the things I really champion and support. And I've, I've been this way since I learned about Elvis's fangirls when I was in college. And it, it delighted me to see how BTS kind of like really loves and champions their fans. Uh, the cameraman at the concert showed a close up of the sign a girl made where uh, the, Jungkook, one of the members, it was a picture of him where he was lifting up his shirt, showing his abs. And then she wrote on the sign, I want to focus on, and then had an arrow pointing to his abs. And when they <laughs> showed that on the big screen, Jungkook saw it and then immediately started lifting up his shirt teasingly <laughs> to, to the fans, which was super funny to me. And uh, yeah, I love watching... I love watching footage of them interact and uh, it's super fun and I can't wait to see more. Uh, Friday was their first show and then they're going to do Saturday, Sunday. And then I think next week is also Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it'd be exciting to see what else uh, gets noted and um, during these concerts, because like I said, I love fangirl culture. Right on, right on. Yeah. Uh, but um. Let's get into our uh, regulars. Uh, Destiny, what was the last movie you watched? The last movie I watched, because I am a busy bee, was the movie that we (laughs) covered in our most recent recording of repertory screenings, which is Todd Haynes' 1995 film Safe, which is about uh, this woman named Carol, played by Julianne Moore, who gets this mysterious illness And she's like this yuppie lady and she doesn't understand why she's just so sick. She goes to her doctor. They're like, there's nothing physically wrong with you. You might be allergic to milk, but uh, she drinks milk all the time. So she's not allergic to milk. It's not an allergy. It's not in her head. What's going on? And then she sees this um, ad at her local gym. The movie is set in 1987 and she's doing aerobics because it's the 80s. And so when she is doing aerobics she sees this sign for this um environmental illness sort of support group and she starts going and it leads to her going to this like essentially a commune of people that all have the same sort of symptoms as her but from their environment mysteriously and it's run by this like creepy just evil man who like blames them for their own suffering and says that like 
the reason you're sick is because you're holding on to negativity and it's like clearly not true and it's just kind of about that just about like how you can trade one form of isolation for another it's a really good movie hmm Tommy is deeply always on point yeah it sounds deeply unsettling <laughs> yeah it is a little it's an uncomfortable watch but it's a good one hmm what did the other uh, members of repertory screenings uh, feel about this movie? Because I know this was your choice. Oh, yeah. I picked it because I'm a big old Todd Haynes fangirl, to use Rhea's uh, earlier phrase. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my favorite Todd Haynes movie, though, is not that deep. It's Velvet Goldmine. Oh, I still uh, <laughs> haven't seen it. Oops. Oh, uh, we'll have to watch it together sometime. Okay. It's not streaming anywhere, I don't think. We'll have to, like... Uh, acquire it other wi- other ways but okay uh, yeah it's, it's just a good time um, but yeah uh, Em and Jackson also really liked it and uh, I don't know when the episode comes out but uh, you'll have to give it a listen friends it's on yes. the Abnormal Mapping Network at AbnormalMapping.com please do oh my goodness that's exciting what was the last movie you watched Rhea? I just saw a movie yesterday in theaters. I went to go see Sonic the Hedgehog 2 because I love Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) (laughs) So a little bit different from Safe. A little bit different. Yeah, a little different. Just a little bit. (laughs) Just a little little bit different. Yeah, Um, yeah. Julianne Moore is in that, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she has like a minor role. Uh, It's a blink and you you miss it cameo. Um, So... uh, Sonic 2, as you know, it also, from the trailers, if you've seen them, also now has the inclusion of Tails and Knuckles. And Tails, interestingly enough, I really like this, is voiced by the original voice actress who did Tails' voice in the 90s cartoon. And uh, uh, Knuckles is voiced by Idris Elba. And <laughs> who was not, who was not from the original 90s cartoons. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I really love these movies. I think they're really cute and fun and uh, surprisingly good considering the controversy surrounding the first movie and its trailer where they did a whole redesign of Sonic. One of the few times fan complaining actually resulted in something good. And uh, yeah, I just love these movies. And Knuckles was so cute. I just wanted to cuddle him into a little ball. And Idris Elba was really fun as Knuckles. It was a good choice. And uh, Ben Schwartz is killing it. I always like him. And I thought he was really funny as Sonic in this one. And it's just a, it's a good sequel. It hits, uh, it hits some new beats. It has some new jokes and a lot of references to the first one. And the best part is I went to go see it in the afternoon. And uh, there was a lot of kids in my showing. And man, they were just fucking loving it. Loving this movie. <laughs> <laughs> They were so excited. Oh, my goodness. That's uh, always fun. Yeah, that I know. always a treat. Pretty cute. Very cute. I, uh, they already have, like, a, they had, like, a mid-roll after credits, um, teaser that's, like, teasing a new character that I don't really know very well. But, man, those teenage girls that were sitting behind us were, like, heavily theorizing as they were walking out of the theater. (laughs) Sonic lore people might be my favorite. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's so good, isn't it? <laughs> so passionate. I, I know. It. So very passionate. And uh, let's just all hope that the Super Mario Brothers movie they're making has even a hint of the charisma that these Sonic movies have. Because I'm not like... I've- I'm not, like, a huge Sonic fan, but I love these movies. I have very low expectations you for do. that Mario movie. Why? I have very low. Just because uh, the first Mario movie they made wasn't that good. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't think you can make a movie out of that. But oh, okay. you never know. I don't know. I might I have be a, wrong. I have a weird soft spot for the movie, uh, uh, the live-action Mario movie, because it has the kind of dark fantasy energy of like a return to Oz or dark crystal. And that's what really drew me to it. Okay. But that Granted, movie I have is not bizarre. Seen it in decades. It's a weird movie. Yeah, it is. Yoshi was a dinosaur, like literally a dinosaur. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what Yoshi is. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I barely remember it, but I just remember not, not feeling it. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on to... Oh, Batman oh, Girl. That's, that's my jam. jam. Destiny, what's your jam? I've been listening to a lot of David Bowie to the surprise of no one. Because <laughs> you asked me to pick out like a David Bowie album for you to listen to. Yes. As somebody who like knows of David Bowie, but isn't like a David Bowie listener. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been listening to Diamond Dogs, which is his, I believe, his eighth album. Oh, uh, wow. Let me... Scroll up. How yeah, many it's his albums did he album. have? Over 20. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because um, he had, like, before he got famous, he released at least two or three albums. Uh, two albums under the name David Jones, I believe. Or no, maybe just one album under the name David Jones. Then he changed his name to Bowie after the Monkees came out because he didn't want to be confused with Davy Jones. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, he did the album Space Oddity on it, which made him kind of a one-hit wonder. Then he did uh, The Man Who Sold the World, which kind of uh, people liked, but it wasn't like the one until Ziggy Stardust came out and, mm. and made him huge. Um, uh, but anyway, so Diamond Dogs is him like kind of being Ziggy Stardust, but also introducing Halloween Jack and just also conceptualizing the idea of doing a musical based on George Orwell's 1984. Uh, so my jam is the title track for this un, uh, unproduced musical 1984 from the album Diamond Dogs, which is like amazing and like theatrical and huge. And it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Like most things from the 70s. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, <laughs> That's why the 70s were so great sometimes. Yeah, no, everyone was on drugs and everyone wanted to dance and it was just a fever dream. I yeah. always say that. The 70s were a fever dream. Yep. Um, Yeah, like George Orwell's widow wouldn't give him the rights to do the musical. So he was just like, I'm going to do this concept album. That sucks. Let David Bowie, let, let David Bowie do a musical about 1984. Right? Let him do whatever he wants if he's got an idea. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. I just well, overheard a story on the radio. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, that Slash from Guns N' Roses, when he was young, he walked in on his mother in bed with David Bowie. 
<laughs> what an incredibly weird memory. Oh my goodness. I don't know how I would process that. I hope he has a good therapist, but I also hope he had a little bit of like, my mom is the coolest woman on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Destiny told me to listen to the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and Low, which I haven't done yet, but I'm planning on doing that tomorrow or later today. Woohoo. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear what you think because uh, the reason I picked those two albums well, I think Ziggy Stardust is almost a perfect album, and there's a lot of bangers on it, and it's him at, like, the height of his glammiest. Um, mm. It's the one that blew him up. It's just a great album. It's just, from the word go, it's just a good time. And then Low is my personal favorite, which is very arty and introspective. Um, there's a lot of instrumental tracks on it, and I figured, depending on which one you liked more... I'd steer you where to go next. <laughs> oh, fascinating. Do okay, you want so... like more glam or do you want more like art music? <laughs> okay. Well, I will report back next next time we record and let you know. Woohoo. Uh, but currently my jam is I've been listening to the Linda Lindas, which are a very cute uh, tween band, teens now maybe. And uh, I've he- heard of them. They, they started kind of making some noise in like the indie scene and I thought they were cool but then they really blew up when they wrote a song called Racist Sexist Boy and uh, now they're more indie famous than they were before and they are very talented musicians and you can tell they're very inspired by Riot Girl. they've done a cover of Rebel, of Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill but the song I really like is this song called Growing Up which is just kind of a love letter to the other girls in the band about how happy they are that they're going to be growing up together. It's so Aww. cute. And it it rocks, too. It's like a Josie and the Pussycats uh, kind of like driving guitar beat. It's amazing. I love it. I really like the Linda Lindas, what I've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, because, yeah, I, I discovered them when they went viral and I just super am impressed with them. Yeah, they're really cool. Very talented musicians, and I can't wait to see what uh, more music they make, because they're very good. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, it's time to uh, toot toot and beep beep our way over to <laughs> our... T- <laughs> Sorry, I just, got, I just caught on to what you did, Okay, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to toot toot and beep beep our way over to our our main topic of this episode, which is bad girls. Bad girls. Yes, thank you. It was something I've been thinking about lately, and uh, Desi and I have each compiled a list of like 10 bad girls that we wanted to talk about uh, that we really admire. And so, Destiny, we can go back and forth, but uh, what's one you want to talk about right off the top? Um, my absolute queen, just the worst person, uh, John Waters' own Don Davenport (laughs) in female trouble. I was hoping Don Davenport would be on your list. Yes. (laughs) She's so awful. Like, okay. So (laughs) my criterion for a bad girl Mm -hmm. is that she, she smokes. (laughs) (laughs) And, and and not all the women on my list fall under these categories. Uh, she smokes. She's mean. 
and she's got great fashion. Mm. (laughs) That's a great fucking list of requirements. I love it. (laughs) Doug Davenport is so mean and has great fashion. (laughs) She like stomps on her Christmas presents when her parents don't give her the cha-cha heels she wants. She becomes like the scummy uh, sort of celebrity and and she murders people and you can't get more bad than that. She gets, well, spoiler alert for female trouble. I mean, she gets fucking executed. Yeah. You can't get more bad than that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't Who get more bad. Who wants to die for art indeed? <laughs> hmm And Don Davenport, she's a queen. She's a queen. <laughs> oh, wow. That's such a good one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so uh, my top bad girl if we're going at the very top. She was also very formative for me. And it is Angelique Dupre from the Dark Shadows 1960s soap opera. She was the main villain, anti-hero of the show, always in a thorn in the kind of hero of the show, Barnabas Collins, the the sorrowful vampire side. And uh, her story, and I, I watched those, uh, that show, when they had reruns on Sci-Fi Channel back in the 90s, and I just fell in love with that character because she was just so intense, and you never really could trust her further than you can throw her. And her story is basically, she was the, the, um, the maid or lady-in-waiting of a rich a rich young woman named Josette. And, uh, oh wait, Angelique's last name isn't Dupre. It's something else. But Dupre is the name <laughs> of her lady uh, that she served, uh, Josette Dupre. So Angelique was her, her servant, basically. And then uh, when Josette's husband, future husband, came to meet her, he had an illicit affair with Angelique and then dumped her like a sack of potatoes and married Josette. And as a woman scorned, she followed uh, Barnabas back to the mainland. They were living on one of like in uh, Martinique or something, one of the Jamaican kind of islands. And he was super pissed that Angelique showed up and was still trying to get him to love her. And she basically revealed herself to be a witch by, uh, you know, cursing a lot of his family members and eventually tricking Barnabas into marrying her. And eventually when he gets fed up, he shoots her out of frustration. And with her dying breath, she curses him to be a vampire. And it is one of the most badass scenes I've ever seen in my life. Because when he shoots her, she's like, oh my god, you shot me. She's like, oh, well, you wanted your Josette so badly, you shall have her! And then she curses his ass. And then she, in typical soap opera fashion... Comes back, goes away, comes back. But she is always fucking evil. And I love her for it. <laughs> oh, boy. What's another one of yours? Um. Okay, hold on. I, wanna... I didn't rank them. No, it's okay. We don't have to rank them. All right. So I've got a misunderstood hero. Who? Uh, Nancy from The Craft. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. I also I have like... the craft ladies on here. Nice. On mine. Yeah, no, she was 
the outsider and then she became the outsider in her own damn coven mm-hmm. and she was right like all those boys sucked and deserved vengeance and the fact that she is kind of the villain by the end of the film sucks mm. and is the biggest flaw in a great movie otherwise yeah um i love nancy i have a candle a candle devoted to her on my altar you do uh, not oh my goodness I, I fucking do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, she's just, Feruza Balk just kills it in that performance. I mean, that was the star-making turn. Uh, well, it should have been. I feel like she hasn't been in much, but, like, she should have been in everything after that point. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, who's next on your list? Well, I want to talk about the craft a little bit more. It's not just Nancy for me. It's uh, the other two as well, Bonnie and Rochelle. Not Sarah, because she was a bitch. But, but, like, those three were so awesome to me. And even when Sarah was part of their group, like, that scene where they're walking down the hallway, iconic. For sure. Yeah. But I also like The Craft Girls. That was also very formative for me. It was a movie I rented from Blockbuster. I think on my cousin's recommendation. I don't think my dad would have given two shits about this movie. And we, when my cousin used to stay with me over the summer, we would pop in that fucking, we would pop in in that fucking VHS and watch it over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But my next one that I want to talk about is uh, a very formative one for me and it is the pink ladies from greece specifically rizzo i loved the pink ladies like it goes to your criteria i thought they had great fashion and i thought they were super (laughs) cool and just didn't give any fucks and i still to this day love that song that rizzo sings you know uh yeah the worst thing i could do it's so great I wish I liked Grease more. Oh, you don't like Grease at all? I like it. I don't love it. Like, uh, I, okay. I, it's, I've seen it once, and I was like, that's enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't know why I, I was so drawn to it. And I, I had, like, this deluxe VHS of it, and I just love that movie. Oh, man. But, yes. Yeah, that's a... That's a good choice. Hmm. Who's next on my list? Oh, I've got, uh, this was formative, but in like a realizing, uh, I liked girls way. Okay. Uh, the, the movie, the 1992 classic thriller, which has been reevaluated as a classic. And I'm really glad because I remember this movie being like considered a B movie. For mm. years. Uh, the 1992 classic Poison Ivy featuring a fresh out of rehab Drew Barrymore and a uh, very cute, um, what's her name? Sarah Gilbert as Sylvia and Ivy. And I picked Ivy as one of my bad girls because she wants this other girl's life so bad. She seduces her dad, who's Tom Skerritt. And tries to kill her mother. And it's like craziness. But she's just got this red lipstick. And she's this little piece of jail bait. And just it's it's so like fucked up. I, I love this movie. I can okay. watch this movie every day. I've never heard of this. It's a, it's a 90s movie? Uh-huh. Oh my god. 
I need to find yeah, this. Um, oh, it was on the Criterion channel for like two months, and I think they just took it off. No! <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, no, if I hadn't known you hadn't seen it, I would have recommended it. Because, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. Well, that's cool that it's being reevaluated as kind of like a, 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 a kind of thriller classic. Yeah, because it used to just come on like late at night on like USA and... I would watch it and I'd be like, this movie is trashy fun. Um, mm. It's got a little bit, it's a little gay, but not as, it doesn't go the distance, you know? Okay. Uh, like there's a little bit of a seduction that Ivy does on Sylvie that, uh, to get her kind of to be her friend and it's interesting, but yeah, she's one of my favorite bad girls. Nice. I, I love me some nineties Drew Barrymore. Oh man. She's, she's the best. <laughs> She really is. Oh my goodness. Oh boy. Okay, I'm gonna hunt this down. Uh, well, another one of mine. Uh, we're going into um, some high school territory here, but man, was I in love with Aaliyah in Queen of the Damned. <laughs> she was so cool. I loved her so much in that movie. She uh, played the titular Queen of the Damned and wore an amazing. Uh, headdress and like bikini outfit and eight hearts and generally was the best part of that entire fucking movie <laughs> she was great oh man that's awesome <laughs> I'm looking at my list and I have like three vampires on it so let me- <laughs> <laughs> well that kind of makes sense that's that's fine <laughs> Well, one of them, near and dear to my heart, and always has been, is Drusilla from the Buffy and Angel series. Oh, wow, that's awesome. She's just like, all she cares about is getting her blood, and, excuse me, she's kind of insane and murderous, and she's great. She's got great fashion. She's just a real weirdo. Yeah. I love her to death. She was so weird. Like, that was actually one of my favorite, like, I don't know if it was, like, a mid-season finale or whatever, but when, you know, her mind was gone and then Spike got hurt, I don't know how. This might be when Angel turned into Angelus or something, and then she lifted, I, no, I don't think that was it, but her mind was gone and Spike was trying to help her, and then Spike got hurt. And then she lifted him up out of there and, and she's like, don't worry, I've got you. And you realize that she had regained some of her mind back, which I thought was so badass. <laughs> yeah, look for, uh, I believe, one. No, oh, no, I got rid of the other vampire on my list. So I, just one more vampire. <laughs> oh, just one more vampire? Okay. <laughs> yeah, just one more. I, I changed some shit around. Okay. Uh, another one of mine is uh, um, Mayday from the James Bond movie A View to a Kill, played by the always badass Grace Jones. She is nice. far and away my absolute favorite Bond girl. She was one of the henchmen for Christopher Walken's villain. That movie is so good on so many levels. <laughs> mm. And... Uh, Near the beginning of the film, one of the investors of Christopher Walken's evil plan questions his evil plan because it is quite evil and cuckoo. 
and Grace Joan just lifts him up over her head effortlessly. And she had, like, this super strength that wasn't really explained and didn't need to be explained. And she has, they let her keep all her avant-garde fashion. She is so incredible in that movie and makes a, what was a pretty late entry for Roger Moore. It was an 80s movie. Uh, One of the, my favorite Bond movies of all time. Just for how absolutely cool it. she is. Oh, you haven't seen it? No, I've not seen very many Bond films. Oh. I've only seen like Goldeneye and then the Daniel Craig ones. <laughs> oh. Goldeneye is a good one. I like Goldeneye. Uh, I would definitely like A View to the Kill. I like Roger Moore because he was a little, uh, his Bond movies could be a little bit more silly. And I kind of like that because I didn't, sometimes the the straight seriousness of Bond I mean, well, let's have fun here, okay? And when Roger Moore was behind the wheel, a lot of fun shit happened in his movies, and a lot of fun shit happened in A View to a Kill. It also has that badass theme song by Duran Duran, which is amazing. That movie has a lot going for it. <laughs> mm, interesting. Well, yeah, that Duran Duran song is uh, an absolute banger. If that comes on the radio, I will like stop what I'm doing to like dance to it. Yeah, so dance <laughs> into the fire. The fire. Yeah. Fatal kiss. <laughs> yeah, that's a good time. That is a good Bond theme. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I've got another misunderstood vengeance seeker here. Okay. Uh. Female Prisoner 701 Scorpion. Ooh, nice. As immortalized by Miko Kaji in the 1970s uh, Female Prisoner films. <laughs> uh, she's just like, technically she's not like a bad girl. She's getting revenge. But she, you know, spends all that time in prison and she like kills all these Yakuza guys. And I don't know, she's just badass. And... Great fashion. Mm-hmm. Very good fashion. <laughs> well, kind of continuing on that theme of, like, misunderstood bad girls, the very glamorous and gorgeous Ms. 45. Ooh, who, I almost put her on my list. Ooh, she rocks my world. I love I her like, so much. Yeah, she, she gets, you know, uh, kind of the short shrift in the end mm-hmm. but she's she starts out a hero <laughs> yeah and uh i i could watch her walk through 80s new york all fucking day <laughs> <laughs> i love her so much oh yeah i almost put her on my list for sure that's a good one thank you um Hmm, who do I want to pick next? How about uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, specifically? <laughs> oh, man, that's a great one. Fuck. Thank you. She is the best. <laughs> I mean, I liked Zoe Kravitz, but man, she's the best one of them all, to be honest. I haven't seen the Batman yet, and I have a kind of crush. I don't know how old Zoe Kravitz is. I shouldn't have a crush on her, but... Sorry, when your parents are, like, the two hottest people in the world, it makes you one of the hottest people in the world. Uh, so I hope it's not an age-inappropriate crush. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. 
that's cool. But I love Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman because she, like a lot of people, she thinks she's doing the right thing. She's just going about it in this wacky way. Mm-hmm. Um, she becomes very mean. She's got great fashion. <laughs> I'm not going to let it go. Um, and I don't know. She's just um, a good Catwoman. I really like her. She kind of embodies how I think of Catwoman. Yeah. How she should be. Um, I will say this is she has the most iconic outfit out of all of them. Yeah, she kind of does. Sorry, she... Hallie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have like any black women on this list and I feel really bad about that, but I tried to make it as uh, diverse as possible. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the next one I want to talk about is another formative one for me. It is Vasquez from Aliens, Aliens, the second Alien movie. Nice. Uh, I thought she was so cool. And uh, my favorite scene is when the aliens first attack them. And um, she straps on that big gun and then just screams, let's rock! And then just starts (laughs) shooting all these aliens. She's the best. (laughs) Yeah, no, she fucking rules. Yeah, no, good choice. (laughs) Good movie, too. Yeah, I love that movie. talking about that movie on repertory screenings, and Em and Jackson don't like it as much as I do. Oh, come on. I don't know why. Come on. Come on. Yeah, come on. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Uh, Second vampire on my list. Uh, I had a dream about her recently. It wasn't a fun dream because uh, my sister was in it, but Santanico Pandemonium from from Dusk Till Dawn, uh, who uh, Salma Hayek played her. She was the stripper with all the snakes. Oh, I loved her character. Oh, yeah. Just just a dream. <laughs> just just a vampiric dream. <laughs> my favorite part is when she's stepping on george clooney's face and telling him everything she's gonna do to him and then ends it with welcome to slavery (laughs) what the fuck that movie is so wild oh it's so good it is so good i love it it makes me so happy like I haven't seen it in years. I need to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute, but I, yeah. I always have a good time. I always have a good time. It is very fun. Uh, my next one is a more modern one. Uh, it is uh, Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road. Man. Oh, nice. Could watch her run over men all day. All day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. shit! Oh man, I I really love that movie. It had, it was so it was so cool. It was such a cool movie just to see like, you know, a, a sequel to a movie many many years after the last one, and just to have it have the same energy and just be so wild and cool and introduce this amazing woman lead. Just I loved it. I loved it so much. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. (laughs) 
next on my list, uh, just the baddest bitch, Oren Ishii from Kill Bill, Volume 1. Oh, shit. Nice. Uh, cool anime backstory. Good with swords. Has that cool nightclub. Uh, everything about her. Everything about her. <laughs> yeah. Honorable mention to Gogo Yubari, who uh, yes. only had that one uh, flashback scene, but is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Gogo Just... Yubari, like, oh, man. So, so fucking cool. Yeah. I, I She stabbed that guy that was hitting on her, and then when she pulled the blade out, all this blood gushed over her little school shoes, and it's one of my favorite scenes in that movie. <laughs> she's got a great face, like, for carrying out vengeance. Like, yes. She, she just, she doesn't even fucking blink yeah. when she's doing that. Yeah. Why is but, it yeah, that my Ren face? Is... <laughs> you gotta uh, stop flinching when you kill. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's <laughs> something I gotta get over, but it's hard. It's hard. <sighs> oh. Right. I only have a, I only have a couple more, but um, I'm gonna talk about this one. This is actually from comic books. Uh, her name is Madeline Pryor, but in the X Men comics, she was known as the Goblin Queen. Already a badass name in itself. So yeah, it is. Uh, Madeline Pryor to give you a little backstory. Uh, so in the original X Men run, like in the '80s by Chris Claremont, uh, when the Dark Phoenix saga happened that's when Jean Grey gets uh, in ha- an alien inhabits her and she turns into this evil version of herself Jean Grey dies right and mm-hmm. I guess Chris Claremont's original goal was to have Jean Grey stay dead and see how the characters would move on without her so this cheesy thing happens though that I absolutely fucking hate where Cyclops is mourning the death of Jean Grey, and then he finds this lookalike of Jean Grey, a human girl named Madeline Pryor, and oh my god, fate is so, it's so fucking stupid. So he marries <laughs> this new girl, Madeline Pryor, and they have a baby together and whatever. But then, of course, Marvel's like, no, you have to bring Jean Grey back. Which actually results in some of the best writing I think Chris Claremont has ever done. So he brings Jean Grey back, and Cyclops, who is forever a fucking loser dick in my eyes because of this abandons <laughs> Madeline and fucking goes straight back to Jean Grey's arms and Madeline oh. has a trippy uh, hallucinogenic dream in the desert where she's questioning if she's even a real person because of Jean Grey's return and she knows she looks like Jean Grey eventually she ends up finding out that she is a clone of Jean Grey and she decides to take over the world and, and uh, bring all these demons from an alternate dimension into the R universe, which is already cool as fuck. And then in the midst of all this, she also revenge fucks uh, Cyclops' brother, Havoc, which is, I mean, it doesn't get any fucking better than this. I mean, it's so great. There, it's X-Men. Who gives a shit about mutants? Let's bring demons into it. Let's have this woman be a fucking badass. And I have no sympathy for Cyclops during all of this. You fucking left your wife. She was his wife. And they had a kid. To go be back with Jean Grey, he is trash. He will always be fucking trash to me. And she will be the best. That is so funny. <laughs> 
That is hilarious. <laughs> um, I I wish I had this strong of an opinion about anything. That's so good. Um, <laughs> it was like a huge book I read. Um, I heard about Madeline Pryor through a Twitter thread where some guy was describing all the soap opera moments of X-Men. And I read hers and I'm like, this sounds fascinating. So I went back and I read these comics and I'm like, man, this comic is actually really good. And the story is amazing. Apparently I only like X-Men if there's demons in it. How fucking predictable. And I mean, you're allowed. Yeah. And I just really loved her character. And I really hate Scott. I hate Cyclops now because of that story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm down to my last two. Okay. I've got another John Waters character. Just Connie Marble. Ah, Connie Marble! Yes! From Pink Flamingos, which is um, just the flagship... uh, Badly girls movie well no it's female trouble but like they're kind of a pair they're they need to go together yes i feel like goes and you have to watch them together mm-hmm. and to, to fully understand uh the battling girls canon um <laughs> connie marvel is competing with divine's character to be the filthiest person alive and She's played by Mink Stoll and she's got these like really cute cat eye glasses and she keeps changing her hair color and she's just got this sleazy husband and they trick people into um, having babies with their manservant or something to like sell the babies on the black market to lesbian couples. You can't get lower than that. So matter of fact, yes, you cannot get lower than that. It is very bad. <laughs> yeah, just don't, you know. Uh, but yeah, she's she's got it all. She's got it all. And I love her. Oh, man. So my last one I want to talk about is actually, she doesn't really count as a bad girl. But this mo- this moment was very, very formative for me when I was growing up. So... In the Sailor Moon anime, the original one, (laughs) when you first meet Sailor Jupiter, uh, Usagi is being harassed by a group of uh, Yankee punk boys, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Troublemakers. And then uh, Makoto, Sailor Jupiter, shows up and says, what are you doing to this girl? And then she hideously beats the shit out of them and saves Usagi. And then, of course, you know, the thing about... Later, you find out that she's really gentle and, like, romantic. And that's kind of, like, the the kind of, like, fun of her character is that she's really big and strong, but she's also very gentle and soft. But, man, I kind of wish they would have just let her be that fucking person that just beat up men whenever she hated somebody. Because <laughs> it was fucking incredible. If only. I, it sticks in my brain to this day. It's my favorite Sailor Jupiter moment. And I know that the bad girl of the group is technically Sailor Mars, but man, I just, nothing beats that fucking moment. It is the coolest thing in the anime. I love it. Right on. Sailor Jupiter is pretty cool. She's, she's uh, growing on me as I slowly, slowly watch 90s Sailor Moon online. Mm. Okay. Cool. <laughs> My last bad girl I, I would argue that she is not a bad girl, but she does some bad shit for a good cause. 
Lady Vengeance from the uh, 2004 classic Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Ah, uh, Lady Vengeance. She's the best. She's just got it all. Like, the look, the eyeshadow, the hair, the outfits, and the way she, like, gracefully kills. Oh, just love her. I do, too. My favorite moment of that movie is, you know, she'd been kind of tricking this one church guy in that she was reforming herself in prison. And when she gets out of prison, he's trying to hand her this cake, which becomes very significant later in the movie. And uh, he's like, you should eat this cake to show that you're going to live a pure life. And she reaches out and tips the cake over onto the ground. And she's like, why don't you go fuck yourself? (laughs) Yeah, she's badass. I love her so much. Oh, she's great. She does not give a shit. Are there any quote Sylvia Plath? She eats men like air. Oh, oh, that's a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any like real life bad girls that you like that kind of have that bad girl aura about them? Um, I don't really like calling people bad, mm. but the bad girl aura is a good way to put it. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. I really like Rico Nasty, who's this, like, rapper-singer who kind of puts off this sort of, like, I don't want to say mall goth, because that sounds like I'm being, uh, or not, like, it sounds like I'm being derisive, but, like, she's just cool. (laughs) She just doesn't give a fuck. She has a song called Smack a Bitch. (laughs) I have never listened to any of her music. Now I have to. I have to send you... The thing that made me fall in love with her is this, like, little, like, mini documentary somebody made about her. And she, like, had a kid really young and her boyfriend died and she was, like, more determined to, like, work hard on her career after that. And she talks about how, like, seeing black girls mosh at her shows is, like, really inspiring. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, like, the kind of punk rock energy she brings to everything just uh, makes me enamored of her. Oh, yes. Um, Please send me that. I love that. I love that kind of what you've told me so far. It sounds great. And her music is super good. She's so much fun on Instagram. But yeah, she's she's got a bad girl aura for sure. Uh, and I just I love how she doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, uh, she's she's up there for me. Uh, what about you? Uh, my ultimate bad girl aura real person is uh, the incomparable Joan fucking Jet. Nice. I fell in love with her in high school. I will forever love that look and just the the energy she exudes. She is cool beyond measure. Whenever I need a pump me up song, I just turn on bad reputation super fucking loud. And then just, it makes me feel better anytime I'm feeling low. I love her so much. Nice. Yeah. I uh, definitely uh, appreciate her. Mm-hmm. She's vintage cool. She is. Oh, man, I just remember her walking across the street in the I Love Rock and Roll video and then going into that bar full of men and just hitting the jukebox. Ah, she was so cool to me. <laughs> I love that so much. She's so cool. She is so cool. Oh, man. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I can't think of any more like real life bad girls, but it's it's fun to think about. Yeah, it is. And this was fun to talk any... about. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, definitely was. I was going to say, 
Um, do you have any honorable mentions that you didn't put on your top 10 that you wanted to give a shout out to? Because I have at least three. Yes, I do have a few, actually, that I'd like to give a shout out to. Um, honorable mentions. Yes, honorable mention time. Elvira. Yes. <laughs> I almost put her on my list. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard. Um, in the end, I just think she's too much fun. But I I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to put her on there because I I love her so much. <laughs> and um, have you seen the movie Kamikaze Girls? Uh, I believe not. Okay, it is a Japanese film about uh, two teenage girls. One of them is a sukaban, a bad girl, and then one of them is a Lolita. You know those frilly dresses, and they become friends. And the sukaban girl, whose name was Ichiko, man. I just loved her so much when I saw that movie for the first time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, what are yours? Uh, the brunette slayer, Faith. Yeah, Faith. Fuck, that's good. <laughs> I was trying to think of someone from Buffy. Why did I forget about Faith? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> She's the ultimate bad girl. I know. Oh, man. And on, the, on a different side of a similar coin, Cordelia Chase. Ah, oh, man. Who's just a big, great big bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Did you, uh, I'm just curious, did you like Bad Willow in that one, in when she was in season six and when she appeared in that, that alternate universe episode? I love that alternate universe episode. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, Bad Girl Willow. She's, yeah. she's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fun episode yeah and then the third vampire that i almost put on my list was ilsa from daughters of darkness who's just like this super rich seductive vampress uh played by what's her name daphne Syrig. i cannot pronounce the names um <laughs> that's okay but she's just so fucking cool Awesome. I love that so many vampires showed up on both of our lists. It makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite ridiculous. <laughs> Another honorable mention for me, too, who is also a vampire, is Claudia, Kristen, Kirsten Dunst's character from Interview with the Vampire. Ooh, I love an choice. evil child. <laughs> yeah. Not enough evil children. Not, got, I gotta get into this evil children genre a little more. Yeah, I want to uh, rewatch the bad seed really bad. What about like animated villainesses? I think <sighs> like out of Disney villains, my favorites are Maleficent, Ursula, and Cruella Deville. I didn't see that newfangled live action Cruella movie, but I uh, she fits the bad girl. She's got fashion, she mm-hmm. smokes, and she's mean. Uh, the Cruella in the newfangled one is amazing. And I'm really happy that that film won, uh, best costumes because I really love the costumes in that movie. They were very inspired by the seventies punk period, uh, when the movie takes place and, uh, that Cruella really embraced the punk aesthetic. So I really like Emma Stone's Cruella, but to be honest with you, like, I was such a goody two-shoes as a kid. I didn't really like any of the Disney villainesses um, at all. I think, like, the baddest character I like was Miss Piggy, and she was really just a bossy pig. (laughs) (laughs) She's a bossy little pig. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I 
don't know. I just thought the villains were really like fashionable and cool. And yeah. It seemed like they were having the most fun. But I was also a goody goody child. I would never be the bad girl. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think like of more animated villains I like, but honestly, like God, that's so like even when I was watching anime, like like you know like Queen Beryl and stuff like that, like I was always still drawn to like the heroes, and it wasn't until like maybe my teen years that I started to look at like the bad girls as kind of like you're amazing and I want to be you, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's all right. I just thought I'd ask. Oh man. Well, this was a oh, was fun, fun topic to discuss, and uh, we are now going to toot toot and beep beep our way out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I just did it to make you laugh again. <laughs> it's just such a, like, it's not a bad reference for talking about bad girls. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but so, but it just, it's so funny the way you just <laughs> reference it like this cheesy mom. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> My God, it's so corny. <laughs> But anyway, we're going to toot toot and beep beep our way out of here. Thank you for listening to this episode about us talking about bad girls, a lot of them being vampires. Sub note. (laughs) Or uh, vengeance seekers. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like vengeance seekers or vampires. (laughs) Says a lot about women in in fiction. Yeah, for real. uh, The feminine is uh, coded as evil, but that's a whole nother. (laughs) We'll get to that another time. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening and you can find this show on the Abnormal Mapping Network. Thank you for hosting us Abnormal Mapping at abnormalmapping.com slash badlandgirls and you can email us at badlandgirls at gmail.com and find us on all the social medias on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at badlandgirls and uh, Destiny is on another podcast that she mentioned earlier, Repertory Screenings and what are you watching? Now that you're done with We're safe. watching uh, David Cronenberg's Crash. You're following safe up with Crash. <laughs> I am so excited. I love Crash. It is one of my favorite movies. Uh, it is weird as fuck. It's got James Spader. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, we were just talking about Crash on one of our episodes too, and uh, teen crushes. Remember, because you said you watched Crash, the weird one. I'll never forget. That's how you <laughs> signified it. <laughs> You watch the cheesy one about racism or the weird one about people who are aroused by car crashes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, David Cronenberg, for existing. I'm happy that you exist. (laughs) Yeah. He's got a new one out that uh, apparently is causing a a flap. Oh. I don't know anything about it. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, (laughs) All right. I'll look into that later. But yes. Same. Can't wait to hear. Uh, can't wait to hear what you guys say about that. That'll be interesting. Uh, <laughs> I'll try to watch more movies as well. <laughs> Same. But uh, until next time, always, always pizza, pizza rolls. rolls.